Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, high school tennis fans. Welcome to the Yellow Ball Network, where you'll find all your tennis news. This is your host, Coach Denise, exploring tennis blessings with our mentors. Tennis is a wonderful sport, which can be the vehicle that takes you through life's journey. And our mentors can provide the roadmap to your journey. Each week, I will be interviewing those coaches who have paved the pathway for many tennis players and coaches. They have authored books and papers on tennis and continue to give back today. Who are these mentors? You will hear each Thursday, well, on the first Thursday of each month, you will hear Alan Fox. The second Thursday is Chuck Greasy. And today, the third Thursday, is Dr. John F. Murray. Next week, the fourth Thursday, is Scott Williams. And on the fifth Thursday, when that happens, well, stay tuned and you'll see who joins these mentors then. I would like to thank the Yellow Ball Network CEO, J.P. Weber, for hosting our tennis network. And if you're not following We Coach Tennis on his Facebook site, you are missing out on useful information. The nice thing about Blog Talk Radio is that if you can't tune in live on Tuesday to Lisa Stone and her parent and aces, or... Chuck Reese, American Tennis, on Wednesday. You can listen at any time you choose. And because I believe Dr. King, when he said, our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter, each Thursday I will add my personal views on North American Tennis, and naturally you'll hear my biased views that the tennis journey should be going through our high schools and colleges. The Almighty willing, you will also be able to continue reading my views in Florida tennis. Now in its 25th year, I might add, uh, I'd like to congratulate Jim March, 25 years of doing this. 25 years, come to think of it, is also the anniversary of the Delray uh, Open, Delray Beach Open, which starts next week, and uh, Jim Marks has just done a fantastic uh, job bringing you not only Florida tennis news, but uh, truthfully tennis news from throughout the country. As I have previously expressed, if you disagree with any of my views, please email me at coachdenise fhstca at att.net coach denise d-a-n-i-s-e period fhstca at att.net who knows I may even share your views on the air or in one of the articles at Florida Tennis remember if you're not subscribing to Florida Tennis and someone has taken the last copy of Florida Tennis from the Pro Shop, you can always read the last issue on our FHSTCA.org website, 
And you can also always find my articles under the resource section of our website. Besides Florida Tennis, I also want to thank Wilson Tennis, over 100 years in sports, much of it in tennis, and uh, I have to say I've been privileged to experience uh, over three-quarters of the century what they've done. I wish I could be around for the next 100 years and uh, see what they're going to do, but I'm sure it's going to be special. And... Of course, District 15 NJTL, now in their 20th year of providing tennis programming, uh, we thank them for their support. Flagler Insurance, Flagler Insurance, they understand that our future leaders are now in high school now, and they've been supportive of the FHSTCA for quite a while. Uh, they brought their uh, help bring our all-star tournaments uh, along with Wilson at the end of each season, and Team Connection Tennis. Of course, the reason our all-stars and coaches look so good is because Team Connection is the FHSTCA clothier. And Team Connection Tennis reminds us that tennis fuels life. I think we have another... uh, exciting show for you uh, today. We are uh, blessed to uh, be able to speak with one of our own uh, in Florida, uh, Dr. John Murray, a sports psychologist. uh, He's been actually, uh, although he's a author of uh, sports psychology books. Uh, He has traveled the world uh, giving mental preparedness uh, lectures. And, of course, we know him as the author of Smart Tennis and how to play and win the mental game of tennis. But he's involved in all sports. And uh, today's subject, I really think, uh, hopefully he'll allow me to go a little bit uh, further into this because the subject was going to be when should high performance uh, coach include sports uh, psychiatrists as part of their team member but uh, as somebody that's gone through 20 years of high school coaching uh, I've seen times I wish I had a sports psychologist with us I recently talked to uh, our athletic director who retired, like I did, from uh, Sebastian High School, but one of the first states to bring a uh, trainer in uh, as a full-time position. And uh, he tells me I'm pushing, but um, I don't know if that's bad. I'm always pushing. But I've also I asked a question, why don't we have – try to bring a uh, sports psychologist and we have all the sports and um, well who knows if I live long enough maybe I'll see it but I think uh, John are you on now? John great to be on your show how you doing? I'm doing great John I was just mentioning to the audience uh, we might even expand beyond uh, our topic uh, today because uh, quite frankly, after uh, I said this was going to be a topic, I'm thinking uh, too often we think about 
you know, just the, uh, the high performance coaching. But is that where the limits of uh, a sports psychologist should be? I think you're talking about advancing it, you know, in society further. I think we can stay on that level of performance, but we can also just like a good tennis coach is an ambassador, uh, you know, to helping the kids and uh, people, students become better in their lives. I think we can talk about, you know, the need for this in all aspects of society. I think we grossly underestimate the vital importance of mental skills. And so whatever we can do, whatever small part we as coaches, sports psychologists, teachers can do, I think we're helping the bigger picture too, John. So I think it's a great idea. Sometimes I have to admit, uh, and I've been coaching for over 50 years, but there were many times that I got into situations where I wished I had you or somebody like you with me because I guess everybody questions themselves sometimes, but you're studying everything, but is it enough? I mean, as part of the team, am I dreaming, like even at the high school level, to take it down? Uh, am I way out of line thinking, well, if we're going to finally bring trainers in, and I know it took us a long time to do it, and it's not in every school, but at least it's in most of the Florida schools now, uh, am I out of line in thinking that the next step no. should be a sports psychologist in there? Not at all, not at all. The 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 evolution will continue. You know, if you think about the field of psychology, it's only been around since the late 1800s. Sports psychology has only been around for 50 years. Um, I'm still trying to get it, to be honest, at you know a regular part of every professional sports franchise. I mean, for example, in hockey, you see the team dentist in the program, uh, and yet they don't take care of the whole being of the person by having somebody dedicated for that type of training. But of course, the problem is going to be the resources. You know, where is going to, where are the resources going to be? There, first of all, there's not enough providers of the service. And, and so the big problem is going to be doing it regularly. I think what you could do is have somebody come in once a semester or a couple times a year and then have the coaches take over from that point and help their students in that regard. But having somebody on staff at a high school, I think is a little bit, a little bit of a reach when we're still trying to get them at the highest levels where they have millions of dollars and still don't either fully appreciate it or they're too controlling in their management style to, to understand the vital need for it. So it's, it's, there's still a long way to go. I, I, I would agree with you, but I think it's a good, a good battle to fight. You're doing good things in, in, in trying to do that. It is on the pro level, which this seems inconceivable to me. Is it just a power struggle that uh, we, we don't want to give up control over something? You think that's the main issue? I mean, it can't be the dollars, I don't think. I think they, they, they have a lot of fear of, like any company, if you think about these franchises, I believe my, my feeling part of that is not only the, the potential that the coach thinks he knows everything and can do that, but I believe they're feeling that they're going to lose some of their control, sort of like, um, you know, the, the information flow might get out, out outside of the team. They want to kind of keep that under, under wraps. So there's a, there's a certain natural uh, resistance to something that could be possibly confidential for the athlete. And then, 
you know, kept from the coach. So, but I think we need to, we need, we all need to grow up and realize that this is why we're professionals. And this is why we do this work is that we have to navigate that delicate uh, passageway and, and be able to provide services both to the organization to help them do what Tom Brady did the other day, which was phenomenal. I mean, everybody saw that that was the best advertisement for the, the importance of the mental game that I've ever seen in my life. But also, um, you know, we have to, uh, we have to be able to, to navigate that very delicately and be able to provide the service without breaching, you know, vital confidentiality. If somebody says something that they don't want going back, but the coaches have to trust that before it can happen. And I think the tennis coaches do a lot more. Tennis can be a great impetus for all of us, for all sports, because I think tennis and golf especially have taken to sports psychology more than other sports historically. Interesting. And I and I wonder. I just uh, recently uh, read where uh, well, actually, statistics comes out of the USTA uh, in their league play uh, that now the in 2016 uh, with 313,679 players, only 10 percent of the players actually improved. 13 uh, percent actually moved down. Uh, how much of this, uh, I, well, I don't know how we uh, come to a conclusion, but is part of this, do you think, not just uh, stroke development and tennis directed, but part of this is the psychological part of it? Oh, forever. I mean, forever. And, and in, all, in all aspects of life. We're not even talking about sports. If you have a technical skill in business and you're not confident, you're not focused, you're not in control of your emotions, that's going to be huge. I don't know what the percentages are. You know, when I, when I do my talks around the world, I've often, I think I spoke to your group a couple of years ago. I think one of the first things I asked your group was what percent they believe it's mental. Now, so it's hard to put a number to that, but you, you know, you have to remember it in, in competition. It's typically high school teams playing high school teams, college teams playing college teams and players and, and the same thing at the pro level. So the difference is often quite subtle and how well you manage this wide range of factors is so incredibly important. Although you might not see it the way you see a beautiful stroke, movement, agility, grace, power. You don't see what's going on under the skull with the neural connections. But it doesn't mean it's not there either biting you in the proverbial you-know-what or helping you to a championship. So it's, it's so important. It might even be more than, more than 50%, John. Yeah, because sometimes I think of just in the stroke development uh, part of it. And, um, well, I, I, I think back, was it psychological? Was it turned out to be an eye problem? But saying to somebody, a uh, player who actually saved uh, my business uh, years later, uh, that uh, you're you're not hitting the ball in front like I'm asking you. And she says, yes, I am, Coach, yes, I am. And then uh, one of the uh, AAU Olympics, I found out she had a depth perception problem. So, oh, I'm yeah, struggling. Yeah. so, I mean, I'm thinking uh, how many times do we sit there and try to bring somebody into something they're not uncomfortable doing and no doubt about uh, you know, it. rather than trying to force that stroke on them, find out the discomfort. And, you know, that's where I struggle. Am I qualified to do that? 
everybody's um, unique, and I think the, the importance of being a, a, a coach that recognizes that uniqueness and tries to kind of tap into how that student best learns is important. I'll often give a, a, a brief assessment to find out how that student best learns. Do they learn visually? Do they learn by hearing? Do they learn by feeling? As just a brief example, and getting back to the strokes, it could be that they have a beautiful stroke, but when playing in a tournament, I see this all the time. This is probably how I get my clients most, most of any, more than anything else is when they're playing well in practice, but they don't do it in, in tournament competition. So something changes, they may revert back to an earlier stroke, or they may simply lack the confidence to push forward and let go and relax and hit out. So a lot of my work is to kind of help them get back to that, you know, actually thinking less. You know, we, we oftentimes have a a misperception that somehow if you work with a guy like me, uh, you're going to be overthinking and that's going to get in the way of your play. Well, I'm not trying to get you to think more at all. I'm trying to get you to make, it, make these skills automatic so that when you go out on the court, they come out without you even being aware of it. Yeah, I think that's so important. Uh, I, I know I, I remember one time having someone says, Coach, any time you uh, see it when I do something wrong, but because in the high school tennis you were able to go out during the changeover, and uh, I had to explain to the whole team that I see things, but if you're playing good, winning or losing, uh, I'm not smart enough to try to take you out of your zone that you're playing in. If you're doing the right things, I, there's nothing I have to say that's that important, and I'm going to take a chance to come out there. So trust me, I see you when you're playing good too. And I, I and that's something that I think uh, as coaches, you go through a period where you try to correct everything instead of trying to find out what the problem is. And uh, and that's where I think as team, if you're a high-performance coach, that part of your team, because you're, you're looking for nutritionists, you're looking for uh, trainers, you're, you're trying to prevent injuries, you're trying to make sure that the recovery time is proper and everything. Uh, I, it's just hard to imagine why there's some not somebody like you on the team. I mean, that's... Well, it, it is important, but I, I will say this, too. I used to be a tennis coach, but I've backed away from that because I'm not keeping up with that. I don't do that daily. So good people like you, good people out there, hopefully listening, who are tennis coaches, you're, you're an expert in your field. I back, I let you handle that. And, and hopefully you'll let me handle the mental part of the game. And together is how we can really do some damage. Having, you know, as you mentioned, a nutritionist, maybe a physical trainer, uh, a good coach that can help with strategy as well as technique. But, I think that's the, that is really like everything in life that, you know, that when we're successful, it's often with a team. It's often with each person has their role. Some of the roles are a little bit overlapping. I'll occasionally delve a little bit into kind of what are you doing out there on the court, you know, strategically, but I don't want to do that too much. I want to stick to what I'm good at and what the field's good at. So we all have our position there, John. And don't, don't think that what you're doing is in any way bad because I think it's, you know, it's, I, I, who am I to say what you're doing is wrong? It's your, that's your area. Yeah, but I think there's time, especially, let me actually bring you in there a question. I see it on the women's side, but I don't see it on the, the men's side, and I don't know if it's just an ego uh, thing or a uh, masculine thing or what, but the women, you see, um, 
they get half coaching during changeovers in the WTA. And I've seen a couple of situations where, and I'm not going to name names or anything because that's what it's about, but if I was her coach and if I had you on the uh, uh, my team, I wouldn't have even gone out there. I would have sent you out there. Do you think there's, uh, number one, do you think it's a good policy to have coaching, um, being allowed to call coaching? Number two, at that time, do you think that somebody like you would, could be more beneficial than me because it's obvious they have their strokes otherwise they wouldn't be playing at that level. So I had to do a pretty good job getting it getting them there, but now they are there. Uh, it seems yeah. like, uh, do they need me out there or do they need you out there? Uh, I, I, think, I, I think, you know, that's something that could happen in the future. And I don't really have a strong opinion one way or the other, whether it's a good idea for, you know, women or not to have that. Uh, you know, certainly tennis has been a very independent sport. When I work with players, I, that's one of the things I love about it most is the is the brutal independence that, that it requires. But one of the things you've got to be careful about is in the heat of the battle, I mean, how much are you going to be able to accomplish? Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's more to me like a supportive mechanism, sort of like a boxing trainer, you know, massaging the shoulders of a boxer in between rounds and maybe saying a few simple things. You know, that might be helpful at some point. But uh, a lot of that has to be worked on long before the battle begins, you know, long before. In the That's why we – I'll often work with players for a good, a good you know, three, six, six months, a full year. And the, the progress really accelerates the more we work together because there, there's so much that has to be accomplished. But it's, you know, once the, once the battle starts, it's a little bit too late to change that. But I'm all for that if that's what happens. I don't mind that. I think it would have to be something worked out between the coach and the, and the mental coach. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think of a situation where – the coach is talking about the serve, and she's talking about something else. And uh, this one case yeah. that I have in mind, and um, you know, it seemed like uh, it would have been good to have uh, you know somebody like you out there at uh, at that time. Let me ask you another question. I think it would be worked out. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm. Go ahead, Jen. No, I was just going to say, I think the key is to find out what the player likes and, and to work it out well in advance, as always. And some players right. might not like that. Some people would, would love that, but you're right. Let me go into, uh, I, I don't think I have it no more, but I remember before, you know, and I think you were a great part of solving of uh, making my life easier uh, with your presentation, but when I first started introducing uh, sports psychology into the uh, high school training, I I used to hear, you know, what is it? we're here to learn about strokes and everything. What does this have to do with it? And I don't hear that no more. Uh, at what age? We know in high school it's needed, but at what age? Or is there an age when you start thinking about? the mental aspect of the game and not just the stroke development? John, that's funny. You reminded me, I guess we have made progress because I do remember when I went back to grad school in 1990, I think there was a lot more resistance. I think now it's just be, being seen as part of what you do. Uh, as far as the age goes, I've spoken at several places with kids that are as young as seven and eight. Now, of course, you have to be really careful how you use your language. 
I've worked with players as young as eight and nine, one-on-one. Uh, it really depends on the, the cognitive development and the, the, the patience and the attention span. Uh, you know, you can do some basic things. You can get them used to it, get them familiar with it. Uh, but depending on their, their level of development, it might be on average, on average optimal to be, begin, you know, say around the age of 10, 11, or 12. But you're going to find some 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 exceptions, some you know nine eight year old that could possibly benefit from it. But most of the clients I get are coming in probably at their parents' request, and I would say in the age range of 14, 15, 16. So there's going to be a a bell curve where some of them are going to be younger, some of them are going to be not accessing the service till they were 17 or 18. But that's really late. So obviously the sooner you can get in and start encouraging smart play, I think the better you you are. Uh, yeah, it, it seems to make uh, sense. There's no two ways uh, about that. The uh, other thing that I don't know if I dare ask you this here, or maybe you don't even want to uh, address it, uh, is there a difference, uh, you know, in the gender, I mean, <laughs> besides the obvious gender difference with men and women and the approach? Uh... In terms of how they interact and communication style, what are we talking about? The, well, uh... I, I, think, I, I think of even, you know, taking at a different level, uh, coaching at the, uh, in the club level, and a, a women's team that I had and, uh, and at the beginner yeah. level, and yeah. I had uh, – uh, two of the ladies that really dominated, they were just dominated. So you had to move them up to a different, to a higher level. And mm-hmm. I remember uh, one of them who today is actually a uh, four or five player sat there and actually crying on my shoulder saying, coach, please, you can't do this to me. And I'm saying, you don't understand. Yeah. The USTA keeps track of your wins. And, you have to move up, but, but these are my friends. I want to play with them. And is you know, oh, oh, yeah. there, there wasn't that competitive thing that you know, it would think, men. It's easier to say, well, it's yeah. actually, in my opinion, you have a reverse problem sometimes. Well, okay, it, it's really, really is as you alluded to. It's hard to make these sweeping generalizations. I think what happens as you get higher up in competition. It, it sort of evens out a little bit in terms of the attitude and the competitiveness. I, interestingly, at the college level, I, I, I recall working with uh, some teams of college tennis players, female tennis players, that were afraid of hitting overhead smashes against their opponent and hurting them. I mean, that kind of thing. So, you know, that that falls right into the stereotype of, you know, they're more se- women are more sensitive or more concerned about others or more social or whatever. So it's probably a stupid stereotype, but I, I saw some of that. Now, you know, as far as being treated differently, I, I think we're socialized differently. I think men are socialized more like the military and, you know, more task focused, whereas women are more socialized for relationships and what it means and all that kind of thing. So a lot of my work with women is that have actually been, has actually been focused on helping them to realize it's not a tea party when you're competing. You know, you can have fun socializing before and after the match, but during the match, if, if that's what you want, if you want to play better tennis, you can't be thinking about the personality on the other side of the other side of the net. So I think men get that a lot easier than women. Yeah, 
I, I thought so too, and I did. But at some level, I guess it changes, and I just, I was my curiosity is always, you know, where and when does does that level? Uh, I, I don't know. It might be college, might be beyond college. But I think you know the demands of competition are more than anything else. What what causes that? You know, you have you just can't be having distractions like that in your head. One of the key things that I talk about all the time and have written about is the importance of focus. And if you're focused on something other than being totally relaxed and ready to execute your, 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 your point, you know, do what you're supposed to be doing on that point. If you're thinking about something else like social factors, you're going to be a pretty bad player. So, you know, I think the, the competition demands that you focus more on just the game. Yeah, no question about that. I have, uh, I'm of the belief, we all have our own biases, uh, but I'm uh, of the belief that uh, sports in uh, in general, and tennis in particular, and I think more so than other sports, but it might be biased because I've been involved in it so long, uh, really is a great vehicle to help you get through life. I, I've asked a question a few weeks ago. I tried to stay out of the politics, but I just couldn't. I can't help but wonder some of these people that uh, couldn't get over the election results and couldn't get over losing and couldn't go <laughs> at Yale, couldn't go take an exam yeah. because they, uh, uh, they were too distressed. <laughs> I can't help but wonder how many of those people played sports because I think the lessons in sports are going to help you handle that. And that's why I think it is a good vehicle to help you through the rest of your journey through life. Yeah. I'm not going to get hoodwinked into making a political statement. You're so funny, but um, I thought it was amusing. Some of the reactions definitely Um, no doubt about it, John. I think we do learn in this little microcosm called a tennis match, this two hour event, one and a half hour event, we learn quite a bit. And I think the same thing holds in, you know, not to bore anybody with scientific literature, but that's the same darn thing. You've got a very specific beginning, middle, and end with a specific result. So we learn a lot about, in fact, what we learn about in our sports psychology field or any field for that matter is usually in these specific experiments called competition, called, you know, called tennis matches or football games or whatever you want to call it. And um, I think you're right. There's a tremendous amount of vital importance for sports and society, not only to to numb us and help us enjoy life more, but I think the competitive drive is what makes things go. I think having that fire in the belly, whether it's for your team or your fantasy team or your own particular tennis team or your own game, uh, there, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like having that outlet and having that, that desire and having that fight. Yeah, I think there's something to be said for having a commitment to uh, something, and, uh, uh, and uh, you know, uh, I, I don't know what society to, today we're all in a hurry, and um, and I think that uh, maybe uh, maybe I'm just getting too old, but I don't know how much we could accomplish if we could. In a half-hour TV show, we solve a lot of problems. But uh, one of my core high school tennis is that in three months, we expect a coach to build a team. 
And um, mm-hmm. like I wrote in the last article of Florida Tennis, where you wouldn't hire uh, someone taking over your culinary, and they're expected that you expect them to, you know, produce uh, cooks uh, at that that amount of time. So uh, I don't uh, yeah, know. That's, that's so, why so important. I lean on you. Well, no, I think I think I think coaches have to be patient, and it takes sometimes you know a, a couple of years to really have an impact, but. I think it is having an impact, and I think sometimes you may not see it in your work. You may not see what the good things you're doing, but then a couple of years later, I've seen it, you know, over, I've been in practice 17 years, and I'm not saying about myself, but some of the good things that coaches have done, some of the things that we do, you don't really have that benefit come until later when that child has grown up a little bit more and has that background, as you suggested, of commitment. And the, the thing about sports is there's nowhere to hide you get what you do. You know, if you, if you work hard and you do the right thing, you're going to get ultimately get some level of results or vice versa. You're not. So I think I, I, getting back to your original theme, I think that is good for society. I think we do need to learn that it's a tough world out there and sports can help teach you that. And it can show you very quickly where you're going wrong and what you need to do to become better in all the areas that are going to be important throughout the journey of life, not just in a, in a you know, particular tennis season. Yeah, I think that's uh, th- that's so important. Uh, um, I, I, and I, you could cover all the sports. And like I said, I have a bias, but I think back in a former life when I coached basketball, you know, in basketball, when I seen something going wrong uh, and somebody not doing their assignment, I could call a timeout before I call a timeout that have a substitute player ready to go in and explain what I wanted. And then I took that player out for a few minutes and told him, watch, you're not doing this, and this is what I want you to do. And tennis, it seems like it's like so much different than any other sport because you can't do that. The, the people have to solve the problem themselves on the court. And that that's what makes tennis such a great sport. I think if you look at the the GPAs of tennis players, it's typically higher. You do get a higher overall achieving uh, person in the sport of tennis, and that might, some of that might be socioeconomic, but I think that it does require that you're fully engaged and fully immersed in all the different mental skills, and you're right. It, it's kind of like what I want people to do when I'm working with them is I want them to have what's called autonomous, smart actions. I want them to have built something that they can then take to the court and use based on what we've worked on, kind of like in our war room, our strategy room, our our sessions, our mental coaching sessions. I want them to use that throughout the match and how well they do that or not will show and how they perform. So often what happens, John, is that people, instead of having these autonomous smart actions, get into this reactionary mode. Okay. So they have what I call, these situational negative reactions or inappropriate reactions. So they're reacting to the disappointment of the lost point or something that upset them, uh, you know, in the match rather than sticking with the plan that they, they built. So it is definitely a sport that requires that level, that higher degree of independence and higher degree of mental massaging to get them to where they need to go. Can you give me an example of autonomous smart action for us lay people? Absolutely. Let's say that 
we have a player that tends to get emotional and throw his racket. So we have a difficulty with emotional control, which then interferes with his preparation for the next point. So rather than having 20 seconds to get ready, he's still stewing about the previous point for 10 seconds, and then he shortcuts his preparation for the next point, and then he's not ready for that point. Before long, you've lost three or four points in a row, and you've lost the entire match. So what I would say to that player and work with that player on is a way to cope with difficulty emotionally to get that out perhaps as part of their routine in between points so that they know that they have to do X, Y, and Z as a way to deal with that. So it's autonomous in the sense they're going to do it regardless of what happened in the previous point. It's smart because it's something that's in line with what's going to help them perform better. And it's an action and something they have to do. So it's kind of like when you go on the court, John, you bring your shoes, you bring your grip tape, you bring your rackets strung at a certain tension. That's all important. The equipment that you have on the court. Well, just as important as the mental equipment that we need to have the confidence, the smart routine, the smart emotional reaction, all those autonomous smart actions that we bring to the court are no different than having a nice pair of shoes. Excellent. Excellent. And the people that for a coach to sit there and understand that there, and this is where that time I think uh, come in Uh, for for over 15 years, even though in Florida high school tennis didn't start uh, until January uh, the month uh, everybody knew at Sebastian River High School that the first Wednesday in October, the first Wednesday in November, the first Wednesday in uh, November were all, all uh, parent-player meetings, and we would get into those discussions, and and I would sit there and tell yeah. the parents, players, I can't, we we can't get to love each other. Unless we get to know each other, and I, I'm not yeah. sure, but I, teenagers, even more than adults, they don't want to give of themselves. They would rather, if you told them where well, you have your choice, tell me it's something about yourself, or we're going to go out and run two miles, they would rather run the two miles. So now, yeah. how do I get that information? And you, it takes time. Uh, well, um, I needed you as my marketing director, you know, 20 years ago. To be honest with you, what what I do is kind of weird, to be honest. I'm a sports psychologist. It really did not exist when I started. So I had to right. be both. I had to be the janitor, the CEO, the marketing director, the guy making the phone calls, and the guy providing the service as well. So I've kind of enjoyed this journey, and I just see it as a battle, just like sports, to get the word out more and more. And, you know, the real success is when the clients find satisfaction or success. And it seems to have happened enough to give me quite a lot of, a lot of satisfaction to see their growth. The people that don't get it are simply going to be left behind like dinosaurs went extinct, right? Or something happened. Maybe there was a, maybe a meteorite hit them. I don't know what happened to the dinosaurs, but the point is if you do not adapt to the changing circumstances, you're going to be extinct. And so you do need to get this, but how do you do it? Well, 
We're crying right now. What we're doing right now is helping somebody out there to access this locally or somewhere to get themselves a little bit further along the evolutionary chain. Well, it's good. I, I appreciate that because I think we do have to uh, keep working at it because I do feel uh, that's the uh, one uh, missing link uh, sometimes. And I'm always willing to look and help, but sometimes I see people post a video or something and say we've come to a standstill and look at this stroke and you know, uh, maybe it's not in the stroke. When you're looking at a stroke that looks good, I mean, I looked at the uh, Dean Simone match before we came on, and two outstanding uh, players on the tennis channel, and uh, yet uh, uh, Simone got in trouble because of what you were just talking about. Uh, during the, uh, the he had a quarrel, wanted his review didn't get it, and during the changeover, he spent his time arguing with the cheer, and we know sure. what happened. And it's just uh, – go ahead. No, you go ahead. I'm sorry. No, and We're that, both so enthusiastic. <laughs> you know, and at that level, with two great athletes, and uh, at some point, you know, for him to spend his whole changeover time – uh, they're that there, and I would assume that somebody had uh, told them about autonomous smart action, but uh, yeah. they, it didn't stick, evidently. Well, you know, it, a lot of these things are not taught in school. You know, you, you learn the basics of algebra, geometry, and English, and you don't learn about how to set goals appropriately or how to use visualization strategies or be resilient. You don't get that in school and you don't get that in sports necessarily. So it's, um, it's an exciting world to be in because it's on the one hand, it's something the way I describe it is it's something that's always been there. It's so obvious in front of your nose that you, you, we basically forgot it. It's so, uh, there's a great, I forget, I think it's by Hegel. The famous philosopher says it was so obvious that we, we missed it. Something like that. It's a great quote that I, I love. It, 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 I should probably get it more specifically, but it's, it's so obvious that we missed it. And I think that's what's going on with the mental skills is, is that we, we need to be calm and focused. We need to be confident. We need to have goals in mind. We need to be playing freely and aggressively, but we didn't take the time to either measure that or to train that. And so that's what my whole career has been and will continue to be focused on is to helping people to fill in the gaps of their missing education. They, they did not get this when they were in school. They typically don't get this even at the highest levels of sports. So it's a thrill to be able to at least attempt to, to try to fix that. Well, and, and that is a thrill when you think of it. I, so as a layman, I always say, you know, you're working to develop all your muscles and the muscle in your head is called the brain. Is the greatest well, of all the muscles, and it's the most underused. Yeah, my problem is I need to use my regular muscles more. I sit around too much talking to clients, and I sometimes neglect my physical health. So both of them are important. You both have to, you know, pay attention to the physical being as well as the 
enormous developed brain that took millions of years to rise to the top of the evolutionary heap. Somehow we got ahead of the tigers and lions. I don't know how we did it, but I think it was because of our brain, not because of our biceps. Yeah, I think I think so too. Well, John, would you spend the next few minutes just uh, talking about yourself and talking about, about how the people uh, can uh, reach you, how they can get your uh, your mailing list and everything? Because I think your your uh, newsletter is a phenomenal piece of information. I know I go through it all the time. But uh, can you spend the next few minutes just talking, you know, about what you do? You've explained something about why you do it, but a little bit more detail. But more importantly, how did they get a hold of you? Okay. The website is simply John, my name, JohnFMurray.com. So J-O-H-N-F as in Frank, M-U-R-R-A-Y. If you go there, you go to JohnFMurray.com, you'll see everything you need to see. You'll see about 2,000 articles. If you do a little search in the box, you can find almost any topic. If you want something on confidence and you type in confidence in that little box at johnfmurray.com, you know, boom, 50 articles will pop up with the word confidence. If you want something on more passion or more goals, the same thing will happen. So by going to that website, you can both learn more or if you want to get really into it, most of my work today, I have an office in Palm Beach on the island of Palm Beach here in Florida. But most of my work, because people are so spread out, because tennis players travel, because other athletes travel, and I've had the pleasure of working with a lot of athletes in all sports, but tennis was my roots. I traveled and coached tennis for years before I got into this field. Most of my work is on the phone. So very simply, go to johnfmurray.com and give me a call if you want to talk about what I do and how I can help you, or if you want to be put on the newsletter list. I can also add you. There's a way you can do that from the website too. You'll see it, but just uh, give me a call, email me, get in touch. And uh, we can, you know, typically if you want to work seriously, we do an evaluation first. It's a two hour process. And I, I come up with a way to kind of depict all the uniqueness about you as a person or your kids or whoever it is we're working with. And then from there we go, forth with sessions. So there's lots of things we can do. If you're a coach out there somewhere that wants to have a sports psychology lecture, I do travel. I come out and we can do something fun together that will help your team. And that's about it. You know, the other thing is media. So talk with good people like you, John, and just getting the word out, kind of pushing this agenda further, whatever we can do to help. Well, and uh, we're proud to say that you'll be joining us uh, once a month uh, on uh, our network so the people learn how to go through you. But uh, the third Thursday of each month is Dr. John F. Murray. So stay tuned uh, for that there. I will tell you, uh, I know firsthand because I've been privileged of being um, at some of his presentations, and he's been gracious to uh, come to ours at the uh, FHSTCA uh, uh, three-day clinic. And I can tell you the coaches were overly excited about that. He stood over, he talked to the people because everybody – I'm not the only one that has 6,841 questions. A lot of other Uh people do and uh, John is gracious enough to uh, sit there and I think answer most of them. Uh, 
John, unless you have something else, I look forward to our conversation the next time. Uh, uh, hopefully uh, I won't get off our topic as easily as uh, I did this time, but uh, uh, next time you pick the topic, and uh, I'll try to stay on it the next time. Let's keep getting off the topic. It's more fun that way. It's more fun it's okay. that way. Okay, well, as long it's as you don't mind. No, it's okay. fun to just talk, to be honest. But, but I'll come up with a topic. And also, whatever, if anybody's listening out there, if, whoever's listening, send some emails to John or myself and let us know what you'd like to, to hear about. I don't have all the answers. Hopefully, I can be a conduit to get people talking and thinking. That's all. But thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. This is good fun. Well, thank you. And, th- and like John said, please, uh, you have, uh, you know how to get a hold of John. You know how to get a hold of me. And uh, send me your emails. If you have a question, uh, I will. Uh, we will think about using those topics for next time. And in the meantime, it doesn't have to wait uh, a month to get on. I will definitely be uh, discussing it uh, with John. But uh, you might have the idea topic that uh, we should be uh, talking about. So give John a call or give me a call, and um, we will... Uh, I look forward to talking to John uh, again next month. I would like to mention now, first I'd like to thank uh, Florida Tennis uh, again. Uh, Congratulate Jim Marks on 25 years. Uh, The magazine uh, being out, uh, the second part of my article is in this issue, uh, is high school tennis and after school sport or an after-school activity, I did try to uh, explain uh, my views there. I don't think that, uh, I don't say uh, a sport is just the trophies and the uh, banners in the uh, gym. I'm just as proud of those uh, banners as anybody else. Uh, The rewards come later on as uh, Dr. Murray stated, and when you get invited to weddings and uh, go to graduations, uh, those are when the real rewards uh, come. But I do believe that uh, our turnover in high school coaches is too great, and I do believe uh, what Chuck Reese talks about often is the mentoring system. And those of you that listen, I think it was just about a month ago, uh, with uh, Ashley Hobson from Inspiration Academy, and he talked about the mentoring system that France has and what they do. And I don't know if we'll ever convince the USTA to do it in this country, and I don't know if we should be uh, asking uh, them to do uh, too much because I think it's up to us to – do things, um, being someone that does believe in smaller government, I think uh, that most of good things come from the bottom up, not from the top down. But Ashley had stated that during his summer camps that he would mentor one or two high school coaches. Uh, You would have to provide your um, own um, hospitality there, but he will take you through the training. He would go through... uh, 
They give you assignments where you would do their, would meet with you 30 minutes before the day, 30 minutes after the day. Uh, we'll do a follow-up mentoring, and I do believe it's important. I have talked to uh, Ed Kras uh, in his college exposure camp. He's agreed uh, to do the same thing with his camps. He has uh, one in Pennsylvania, one in New York. Uh, uh, but he's looking to do the same thing. And then Scott's tennis, Scott Williams, who will be our uh, mentor on next uh, week's broadcast, he's going to do the same thing too. So if you are running a camp and you're interested in that, please get a hold of me. Uh, Coach Denise, D-A-N-I-S-E dot F-H-S-T-C-A at A-T-T dot net. Or if you're uh, a high school coach that wants to get better, um, you know, these are why we have this program. This is why Dr. Murray takes his time out every month to come uh, on the show to share these are what the, in my opinion, coaches are some of the greatest people in the world. And the, the good coaches, the outstanding coaches, they're willing to share. And uh, so if you, even if you're in your matches, you have a coach that's been around a long time, don't be afraid to go up and ask uh, for, for advice or anything. Even though you might be competing against that coach's team, the good coaches are out there, and they're willing to share. There's none of us. Uh, I, truthfully, I don't have that many original ideas. And most of what I've learned, I've learned from making mistakes, from borrowing other people. Some of it was good. Some of it didn't fit in. Oftentimes, I changed uh, what I did uh, too soon. But uh, this is what... Good coaches do. I think we're blessed that uh, we changed the format on this program because, uh, truthfully, to be able to have the four outstanding mentors that we have and to know each week that I'm going to be talking to uh, either Chuck Reese or uh, Alan Fox or Dr. John Murray or Scott Williams. Wow, what a blessing. Uh, if that happened 50 years ago, I'm sure I would have uh, produced even more champions. And when I say produce more champions, I don't mean just on the tennis court or on the basketball court. When I talk about champions, I mean people that are ready to go out in life and succeed and work. Uh, John talked about the GPA averages of the tennis players. I don't think it's a coincidence that many of the outstanding business people come from sports and more than not come from tennis uh, because these are the disciplines you're going to need in life. And everybody, we all need help. And this is why two of the four that – I've been blessed to have this show with are in this field because we, I don't care if you're a coach, a parent, a player, a business person, you need, at one time or the other is going to need help, and this is where you go to. 
I'm sure that most of the people uh, that go to see John Murray, uh, the clinical psychologist, probably never read his book. Probably never know that he was a sports psychologist. This is what, you know, we all need help at times. So it's not an accident that the Almighty blessed me to being able to have two of our four uh, people in this field that we're going to be talking to every week. Because in my opinion, it's the, we have a long way to go there. We've come a long way uh, from... Well, I've been coaching for over 50 years. I won't say how long, but over 50 years doing it. And uh, trust me, uh, when I started coaching, you were looked at being weak if you thought you needed uh, something to help. Uh, And and for me, coming from uh, my first coaching uh, came from in the Marine Corps, and truthfully it was a lot easier coaching there than coaching – uh, basketball at uh, St. Mary's in Connecticut because uh, in the Marine Corps you told somebody to do something and they did it. When you're coaching uh, and you're dealing with play, uh, kids and parents, uh, it's a lot different. And um, it's this is it, go out there and just please ask questions. Go out there and uh, if you have think that we could be of any help, tell your friends about it. Next week, like I said, Scott Williams will be uh, with us because it will be the fourth uh, Thursday. Those months that we do have a fifth Thursday, we will bring somebody special in uh, at that time too because we'll try to keep the same formula going. But tell your friends about it. Have a blessed week, and I look forward to talking with you again next week. John, thank you for being on, and if you have any last words, I'd appreciate it. Have fun, everybody. Keep 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 it alive. Keep the hope alive. Definitely. Let's keep hope alive, everybody. Thanks for listening in, and I look forward to talking with you again next week now. Bye-bye.